today's scripture reading is 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 15. For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For indeed, in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven, inasmuch as we, having put it on, will not be found naked. For indeed, while we were are in this tent, we groan, being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed, so that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. Now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave to us the Spirit as a pledge. Therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be home with the Lord. Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done whether good or bad therefore knowing the fear of the lord we persuade men but we are made manifest to god and i hope that we are made manifest also in your conscience we are not again commending ourselves to you but are giving you an occasion to be proud of us so that you will have an answer for those who take pride in appearance and not in the heart for if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are sound of mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all, so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Father, we just thank you for this time to delve into your word and we pray for the pastor as he brings the message Lord that we might take it into our hearts and spread it from here in Jesus name Amen. good morning if you can take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 3 Romans chapter 3 Romans chapter 3 As some of you know, we've been in chapter 5 for quite a while, so we need to go back to chapter 3. <clears throat> chapter 5 ended last week. We got through the 21st verse, and we finished off our discussion of chapter 5, which was a continuation of chapter 4, which began in chapter 3. So we're now back to chapter 3. Here you go, drop down to verse 8. Chapter 3, verse 8. And why not say, as we are slandered reportedly, as some claim that we say, let us do evil that good may come. Let me say that again. There's a report going around. It's wrong. It's slanderous. They're saying, let us do evil that good may come. Now, you'll remember in chapter 3, chapter 4, and chapter 5, Paul does not discuss this question. But now we are in chapter 6. 
And he answers the question now in chapter 6, chapter 7, and chapter 8. So, in order for you to understand 6, chapter 7, and chapter 8, you've got to go back to Romans chapter 3, verse 8. The question he says that's out there, that people are using against him and the other uh, teachers, is that he says, let us do evil that good may come. Let us do evil so good may come. In other words, if you do not have the law, which we talked about in chapter 5, controlling your actions, then you can do anything you want and more grace will come. So you Christians can go out and sin like a wicked person, and all that will happen is that you will have more grace than wickedness. Now that's true, but that is not answering the question that's raised in chapter 3, verse 8. The answer to the question is, let us do evil that good may come, is that some things change. What took place in chapter 3, and chapter 4, and chapter 5? It was justification. I didn't wait for you to answer, because I would be afraid if you could not say justification. So I answered it for you. What you all were thinking. Please nod. Okay? So, justification that we've studied in chapter 3, chapter 4, and chapter 5, we are now done with. We're ready to deal with the question that's been thrown against Paul and the other believers in their ministry to Rome. He now needs to change subjects. He's no longer going to talk about justification. He is now starting to talk about a new subject, which is great for us because we're going to talk about sanctification. Sanctification. Sanctification is a miracle of transformation that occurs after justification. You cannot have sanctification without justification. Justification is a one-time event that occurs at the day of your salvation, and it changes you before the throne of God. You're declared righteous, and now the work of sanctification begins. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to be moving along different passages today. Make sure you're ready. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. Such was some of you, but you were washed. That's the first thing. You were washed. Second thing, but you were sanctified. Then the third thing goes back to the first thing. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. That goes with the washing. The washing is justification. Justification, we've talked about chapters 3, chapters 4, chapters 5. Notice, sanctification is mentioned. Now the fourth item, and in the Spirit of our God. What's connected to sanctification is the work of the Holy Spirit. It happens one time when the Holy Spirit enters you, dwells you, abides with you, remains with you when you are saved. So, sanctification occurs at a positional action one time when you are saved. 
after you've been justified. If you want to split a hair, you've got to be justified and then sanctified. You are set apart for God. You are sanctified. You are sanctified because you've been washed. You are washed because you've been justified. You then, because of sanctification, have a new work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Turn to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Uh, yes, we preach through 1 John. Yes, you know everything about 1 John, but you may not remember it. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. Beloved, now we are the children of God. How are you are the child of God? You are justified to be a child of God. And it has not appeared as yet what we will be. But we know that when He appears, we will be like Him. Like who? Like Jesus. Because we will see Him just as He is. There is a progression that takes place with sanctification. Yes, you are sanctified when you are saved. That day you surrender to Jesus Christ, you are sanctified. But there is a progression of sanctification that occurs your entire life until you're called to heaven and you meet your Savior. And at that time, you will be done being sanctified. In heaven, there will be no sanctification because you will be sanctified. Because you will be what you were planned to be. You will appear, when He appears, you will appear like Him. Now, don't think too long about that. Become gaskets in your thinking. Okay? Try to deal with the issue as we go through chapters 6, 7, and 8. You all knew that. (sighs) Okay? Sanctification is a positional thing that happens at your salvation after being justified, after being washed. You are sanctified. But then sanctification also has a progressive nature in it throughout your lifetime. You On this earth, you will be moved to be more sanctified this week than you were last week. The pastor's goal is to help you be more sanctified this week than you were last week. That's his job. The job of every believer is to be sanctified more this week than last week. The job of every Bible is to get you to be more sanctified this week than last week. The job of the Holy Spirit living in you, dwelling you, is to get you to be more sanctified this week than last week. Are you getting it? Okay. Justification we are now done with. If you are saved, you are justified. You are not justified by the law. You're not justified by doing anything. Remember, all the Greek tenses were all passive. It's done to you. Now we get into sanctification. Therefore, we need to turn to what chapter? Romans 6. Thank you, the one of you. Romans 6, verse 1. Romans 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? Now, uh, 
I want to uh, I want to share with you a nursery rhyme. Okay, a nursery rhyme that you know by heart. Okay, I'm going to share it to you, and I'm going to do something that seems to be very uh, prominent. At least it used to be very prominent. Trying to take spiritual things from fables and adding it to them and making it mean something that maybe the author didn't intend. Here you go. Here you go. Here you go. The nursery rhyme. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. Have you heard that? Now, what we've been covering in chapter 3, chapter 4, and chapter 5 is that exact fact. Look at the person next to you and say, Hi, Humpy, Dumpty. Because guess what? We have all fallen off the wall. Now, one time you fell off the wall because you're related to Adam. You fell off the wall a second time because you sinned. Your sin nature causes you to be cracked. Your sinful actions cause you to be more cracked. You are Humpty Dumpty cracked. You are in need of some crazy glue. You are in need of something to help you. Verse 1 says, what you have to help you is grace. And only grace. Which was the fact in chapter 5. So, first thing. How does a believer increase his sanctification while still possessing a sin nature? How does a believer increase his sanctification while still possessing a sin nature? You all have a sin nature because you are a Humpty Dumpty. You all fall because you're related to Adam, and you all fall because of your own sinfulness. You are cracked up. So, how can you enjoy this grace that God gives you and still have a sin nature that causes you more cracks. Here you go, the answer. A believer cannot continue abiding with sinful actions. A believer cannot continue abiding with sinful actions. There is a change that takes place between you and sin. When you experience grace, you experience justification, and then you experience sanctification, and it changes who you are, Humpty Dumpty. It changes you. You cannot continue abiding with actions. Look at the word. Are we to continue in sin? The word continue, there is the verb, present tense, 
It means to continually dwell or abide with sin. As a believer, we cannot continue in sin. We cannot dwell with it. We cannot abide with it. It does not fit our new nature because we have been justified and we have been sanctified. Things have changed. It's used, this term is used of a person living in a certain place, making it its permanent living place. The action of sin is a continual practice. And a continual practice cannot happen with a believer who has been saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. In sin. Sin, we've talked about in chapter 5, is a power that controls sinners that are under its power. Therefore, if you continue under abiding with sin, you will be deemed a cracked sinner because you abide in sin. Now, listen up. Listen, listen, listen. Some of you are not going to like this sermon. You're not going to like the sermon because uh, what I'm saying or teaching or what the Bible is teaching or saying is that if a person in your life, maybe a friend of yours, maybe a relative of yours, who continues to abide in sin has never been justified or sanctified. And you're going to get angry at me just because I communicate what the Bible says. Oh, don't look at me like that. You will, because I've had people do it. You get angry because you think I'm saying your friend or relative is not going to heaven because they have not been justified and sanctified. I am not saying it. Paul is saying it. And thereby God is saying it. So you want to complain to somebody, the big man is the one to talk to. You cracked Humpty Dumpties. So that grace, so that grace, grace is not given to you as a believer so that the believer can enjoy sin. That is not the purpose of grace. The purpose of grace is for the believer to enjoy holiness, sanctification. Grace increases, is greater than the power of sin. No matter how many sins you've committed, when you come to the Lord, He has enough grace to cover those sins. Look at verse 2. May it never be. There are a few phrases that I really, really, really like when Paul says it. May it never be. By no means. A strong, strong, super denial. It cannot happen. If you have been justified, if you have been sanctified, you have a different relationship with the power of sin. If you know somebody who's living and abiding with sin, understand that they need to be justified. They need to be saved. May it never be. The believer who experiences the grace of God has no desire to abide with sin. 
and sees more grace, but desires to grow in his sanctification so that he will please the Lord. Now turn the page in your, uh, your handout. Now, we're done with the uh, problem. How does a believer live with a sin nature? He doesn't abide with sin. He doesn't continually abide with sin. He doesn't live with sin. He doesn't has a change in relationship with sin. Now we're going to talk about four ways that you change this relationship. And if you do these four things, your experience with sin will be completely different. Don't look at me like that, Humpty Dumpty. Four things that will transform your relationship with sin. Verse 2. How shall we who died to sin live in it? How shall we who died to sin still live in it? How has a believer changed in his relationship with sin, his sin nature after his salvation? How has a believer changed in his relationship with his sin nature after his salvation? Four ways. Number one, a believer, well, where'd it go? Believer has changed his relationship with the power of sin. The power of sin. I'm clear here about the presence of sin, because you will still sin. It will not be a present tense thing. It will not be a continual dwelling. It will be the rare thing. A believer has changed his relationship with the power of sin. How then shall we who died to sin... Died to sin, the term there, aorist tense, point in time. There is a point in time where you die to sin. That point in time is when you are justified and sanctified. When you are saved. When you hear the gospel message and you turn your life over to God, that is the moment you are dead to sin. From that moment on, the power of sin no longer has control over you. No longer can you say the devil made me do it. No longer can you say the sin made me do it. Or the temptation was too great. Or whatever, whatever, whatever. You have died to sin. So that at salvation, the power of sin over the believer is done. There is no more power over you. A person cannot live, cannot be alive to sin and alive to Jesus Christ. You cannot be alive to both. You can only be alive to one or the other. Either you're alive to sin or you're alive to Christ. Because you're going to have to die to one in order to be in the other. You are to abide in one or you're to abide in the other. Either you abide in sin or you abide in Christ. Either you're alive in sin or you're alive in Christ. You cannot be alive in both. It cannot happen. Turn to 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, chapter 5, where we have our scripture reading. By now, you're starting to put a piece of paper when we do our scripture reading, because you realize we're going to get there sometime. 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, I want you to drop down to verse 14. Scripture reading 1 through 13 got you ready for 14 and 15. Here it comes. Oh, this is so good. 
The believer has changed his relationship to the power of sin. Why did you change your relationship to the power of sin? Here it is. Verse 14. For the love of Christ. The love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. Who died? Jesus Christ died. He died to the power of sin. He destroyed the power of sin. It was done. Therefore, all of us who put our trust in Jesus Christ have died to sin. Thought I'd get at least one amen out of that. You have died to sin because Jesus died for you in His work on the cross He died taking your sins upon Him so you are dead to the power of sin. You are dead, dead, dead to the power of sin. Sin has no power over you. Okay, pastor, why do I sin? Because you give in to sin. There's no power of sin over you, but you give in to sin. You tempt yourself, you tempt yourself, you tempt yourself, and you give in to sin. But your life is not designed that way because you've been sanctified. Verse 15, And he died for all, he died for all, so that they who live, who live, that's a key word there, underline that, who live might no longer live for themselves. When you die... Because Jesus died on the cross for you, the power of sin is done. You now have something to live for. You don't live for yourself, which is exactly the definition of sin. Pleasing yourself. But you live for Jesus. But for Him who died and rose again on your behalf, you have someone to live for. See, who lives? That's present tense. In other words, some out of this world may have died spiritually with Jesus Christ and now you daily live. You are alive. You are alive. You're no longer dead. You are no longer controlled by the power of sin. You are alive. You can live a life victorious over sin because you have the Savior on your side. Believers who are justified and sanctified should live a life that is not centered on yourself, but on Jesus Christ. Go back to Romans chapter 6. Drop down to verse 3. Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Or do you not know that all of us who have been into Christ Jesus have been baptized into How has a believer changed his relationship with sin nature after his salvation? Number two, a believer has changed his relationship with Jesus Christ. You have changed your relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is no longer a person miles away from you. 
or down around the corner or wherever it is, he is now abiding with you. You live together. You live together. A believer has changed his relationship with Jesus Christ. He's no longer a good teacher or a prophet or whatever the world says. He is now your Savior. He is the one who redeemed you. You have been baptized. You have been baptized. I saw a a scholar translate this uh, word baptized and he used the word plunged. (laughs) Plunged. He says, who have been plunged into Christ Jesus. The word baptismo means to dip. To dip into water, to die, into some kind of something you dip it into. And he says, you've been plunged or dipped into Christ Jesus. Your relationship is different. It's now no longer down the street, around the corner, or a thousand miles away. He lives in your home. By baptism, Paul means a complete conversion to a unity or a union with Jesus Christ. You are now in a relationship with Jesus Christ. He's no longer a friend or a scholar or a prophet. He now lives with you. Your life is different. Look at the verse 4, Romans 6. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. Been buried with him Eris passive, point in time in the past, done to you. You do not bury yourself because you're dead. You have someone else bury you. It happens to the believer at the time of salvation. You are buried when you are justified and you are sanctified. Your life is different. At salvation, there's a leaving behind with sinful pleasures of this world because you love your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You're baptized, you're plunged into death. The death was with Jesus Christ on the cross. You are plunged into that death. Believers spiritually are baptized because you are now equated, unified, in union with the death of Jesus Christ. You have changed from an old life to a new life. Turn to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Don't get lazy on me. Come on, keep turning. Galatians chapter 3. We got to go quickly. The guy who moves the button on the clock and moves it faster, he's pushed it again. Galatians chapter 3. Here we go. You've got to look at this verse. You've got to highlight this verse. You've got to underline this verse. You've got to star this verse. Here we go. Verse 27. Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. For all of you who were baptized into Christ, all of you who have been plunged into Jesus Christ, all of you have clothed yourself with... What's it say? You have clothed yourself with Christ. You change clothes. 
you're no longer wearing the wet things that came when you were baptized. You're no longer wearing the dirty things that were buried with you in the burial cloths. You're no longer wearing that outfit. It, you are now wearing a new outfit, and that new outfit is Jesus Christ. You have been changed. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, if you are wearing a new outfit because you've been baptized with Christ, if you have different clothes on because you've been buried with Christ, if you have a different outfit, there should be some things that change in your life. Ask me what's changed. Good. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 12, 12. Turn to verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. Oh, you're going to like this. Here you go. You may have a hard time writing all this down. Here you go. Verse 12. For even as the body is one, yet as many yet has many members. And all the members, though they are many, are one body, so is Christ. Let me translate this for you. Cumberland Bible Church is one with Jesus Christ. You are in union with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ abides with this church. He abides with you. You are one unit with Jesus Christ. Nothing... No, no Saturday afternoons can you be divided from Jesus Christ. No Thursdays can you be divided. No, no Thursday night is your night off without Jesus Christ. There's no separate vacations from Jesus Christ. You are connected to Him. Verse 13. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we are all made to drink of one Spirit. Sanctification. Membership into Cumberland Bible Church is only by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. All believers have the same Holy Spirit within them. You have it, I have it, we all have it. We have the same Holy Spirit. Therefore, all believers have the same spiritual essence. We have the same spiritual essence. That's why there's no favoritism in our church. We're all equal. Verse 14, for, one, for the body is not one member, but many. The foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not part of the body. It's not for this reason that any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not an eye, I'm not part of the body. It's not for this reason any less the part of the body. For the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? In other words, Cumberland Bible Church is made up of different functions. With one purpose. Different functions, one purpose. Each part must be willing to perform its own function. If you are not doing your function in this church, something is wrong with our church. You have to be functioning. Verse 18. But now God has placed the members, each of them, in the body just as he desired. Guess what? My role at Cumberland Bible Church is determined by... God. Don't blame me about your church. Because God brought you to this church. God brought me to this church. And we're part of this church because God wants us here. There may be a reason why. Huh. 
Verse 19. If, we're, if there were all one member, where would the body be? If they, were, if they were all one member, where would the body be? Cumberland Bible Church is more effective with more different functions in our church. We do not want everybody to be the same function. Can you imagine what it would be like if everybody was the preacher? What a terrible Sunday that would be. We have many different functions. We have more than one function. Diversity is more effectively operating, fulfilling the Great Commission by our church. Verse 20. Now there are many members but one body, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, or again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it's much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are more necessary, are more necessary. The health of Cumberland Bible Church is dependent upon the functions of all parts. If you, as part of this church, are not functioning, doing your part, Something's wrong with our church. Don't blame the elders. Because you are not functioning, doing your part. What verse am I on? 23? 23. Members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor then the less presentable members become much more presentable, whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to the member which lacked. Let me translate it for you. God will bless Cumberland Bible Church with all parts functioning properly. God views you beautiful when you're functioning in the church. When you're not functioning, something's wrong. All of us are needed for Cumberland Bible Church to survive. Verse 25, so, there, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, then all members suffer with it. One member is honored, all members rejoice with it. Individual parts of Cumberland Bible Church are to care for other parts. We suffer when one suffers. We're honored when one is honored. We are unified together. Turning to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Oh, we're running out of time. Let's go. Hurry up. Colossians. It's not my fault. Colossians 3. Verse 3. Colossians chapter 3. Verse 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse 3. You there? Here we go. For you have died. If you have died, your life is hidden with Christ in God. If you have died, your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your life has changed. You have died. The past life is now different. You're, the penalty for sin has been paid for by Jesus Christ. You died, and now your life is hidden in Christ. By the way, the word hidden there is perfect tense. Isn't that great? You are permanently hidden in Christ. There's no way you can get out of being hidden. You're hidden in Christ. 
in God. You are hidden with Christ. Hidden talks about concealment and safety. You are safe, hidden in Christ and in God. You have, if you have died. Romans chapter 6. Turn back. Romans chapter 6, verse 4. Therefore we have been buried with Him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead, so that as Christ was raised from the dead, how has a believer changed his relationship with his sin nature after salvation? Number three. A believer has changed his relationship with death. Changed his relationship with death so that Christ was raised from the dead. If you are identified spiritually with the death of Jesus Christ and defeating the power of sin, you are also identified spiritually with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is alive to life. You are alive with Jesus Christ through His resurrection. You're united. You're in union. You abide. You remain with Jesus Christ being alive in His resurrection. It's impossible to live the way you did before salvation because the past is dead. The power of sin is dead. You are alive in Jesus Christ. You're alive. The end of verse 4. Was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father so that we too might walk in the newness of life. So that we too might walk in the newness of life through the glory of the Father. How has a believer changed his relationship with the sin nature after salvation? Number 4. A believer has changed his relationship with God the Father. Believer has changed his relationship with God the Father. Now, a normal pastor in this point would say, has changed your relationship with life. And that'd be good. But let's go a little bit better. Your life has changed because of the work of justification that's done by God the Father. God the Father has changed your life. Your life has been changed because your relationship with God the Father has changed. He's declared you righteous. And you walk in newness of life. All that God has. I found a lot of people this week that talks about the glory of God in a powerful way. That God the Father's source of glory, it talks about His power. You have a physical glory of God working in your life so that you can be justified and sanctified. The glory of God is the outward evidence of God's attributes that He has revealed to the world. So that you might walk in newness of life. So that we might walk in the newness of life. So that you have a way to walk alive. After your conversion, you've been justified and sanctified. God did a number of things in that work. What are those things, you ask? Ask. Let me give you a few. The election of God, regeneration, glorification, the effectual call, conversion, eternal security, the general call, uh, justification, sanctification, predestination, peace with God, empowerment, foreknowledge, adoption, we could go on and on. All these things God did with His power and glory. 
to change your life from being dead to being living. So that you may walk in a life that is holy, a lifestyle that's seen by power of the Holy Spirit. A believer's walk should be one of holiness. You walk in newness. In other words, freshness. You are fresh in your walk with God because you are no longer under the power of sin because you've been justified and now you're sanctified and you grow in your holiness each and every day. So, will I live a new, fresh life free from the problems that come from a life controlled by my sin nature? And will I grow in my sanctification? Will I grow in my sanctification? Will I grow in my sanctification? Life for the believer is to be a fresh start. Union with Jesus Christ in His death and resurrection breaks the power of sin. A pastor was preaching a sermon and uh, he got on the subject of sin and he got a little hot and heavy. One sweet little old lady came up to him at the door, shook his hand, and she was a little irate, and she said, Pastor, I didn't like that sermon. Pastor, just, just immediately, I would never be able to do this, just immediately answered and said, Yes, I know, neither was the devil. See, when we talk about sin, we talk about maybe a relative or a friend that's completely controlled by sin. They've never been justified or sanctified. They need the gospel message. The saddest thing is, is that a lot of those people that uh, pretend go to church every Sunday. And they dress up and they look like us. but they're controlled by the power of sin. And then on Monday, they act like the best sinner in town. And Tuesday, and Wednesday, and then Thursday night, they have a special time of sin. Then Friday, and Saturday. Then Sunday, all these sinners get up and say, we got to go to church. We don't realize how sin is sin. The Bible says, if we deny the reality of sin, we're deceiving ourselves, 1 John 1. We make God out a liar, 1 John 1.10. Others laugh at sin. The Bible says, the fool makes a mock of sin, Proverbs 14. Still others take pride in their sin, Isaiah 3. The most dangerous attitude towards sin is to tone down its awfulness. Psychologists call sin a maladjustment. Biology labels sin a disease. Ethics suggests that it's a moral lapse. Philosophy regards it as a stumbling in the upward progress of the human race. Bible calls it sin. And when you're controlled by the power of sin, you're not headed towards life, you're headed towards death. Death spiritually physically, and eternally. Make sure your friends and relatives understand they can't live 
the way they're living under the power of sin. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you would be with us. I thank you, Father, for the people in this room that have been justified and have been sanctified. I pray, Father, that they would be strong in their faith and communication of your love and sharing the gospel message with others that need to hear it this week. I pray, Father, for maybe those in this room that have never been justified, have never been sanctified, that, Father, they still are living under the power of sin. I pray, Father, that they would repent and turn to trust the promises of God. I pray, Father, that you would be with us, that we would glorify you with our lives, that we would glorify you with our spiritual baptism, with our spiritual resurrection, with our spiritual burial, and our spiritual defeat of sin. Thank you, Father, that we have the privilege to live a righteous life this week, not by our power, but the power of the Holy Spirit the one who sanctifies us. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.